Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story, story So Farscape. And Ugh. we are with episode 311 this week, <laughs> yes. Incubator. Wow. I'd been honestly kind of a little bit like... Dreading is too strong a word, but I've yeah. been trepidatious about this one because it made some impact on me when I was uh, I when I saw it the first time. Well, imagine. I mean, we've had a little bits and snippets of uh, what Scorpius has been up to uh, in regards to uh, discovering the wormhole technology, mainly pilots getting liquefied in their cockpits. Mm, yes, um, sub-excellent. As yes. I think the official terminology is. <laughs> Mediocre. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. Like, Immortan Joe and Scorpius, there's like a little bit of uh, comparison between the two. Well, not Grinchlick? That's the. Uh, Grinchlick is Immortan Joe. Well, That's yes. That's the same actor as Hugh okay, Keith Byrne. Yeah, no, fair point. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. In terms um, of the management style. Yes, and character. Huh. And, uh, you know. Actually, yes. And also, like, physically grotesque and being held together by, by science and, and technology. Ooh, interesting. So we get a lot of that this episode. It's all Scorpius. Pretty much, yeah. So apparently in the writer's room of Farscape, they have an ideas board where they've got little post-it notes with just a a phrase or a a short sentence or an image. And for the longest time, Ricky Manning had one up there that just said, A Day in the Life of Scorpius. (laughs) And there wasn't a place for it in season two. And then once they got into, into, into scripting out season three, they realized, okay, well... It's been a while since Scorpius been sort of part of the of the story. Time for this. Let's drop this in. Yeah. Well, it's not an entirely a Scorpius episode. I mean, there are scenes on Moya, but they they kind of serve the plot more towards. Uh, They're really B plot, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It's just like I mean, we've done gone without Chana and Yule and uh, Dargo for two or three episodes now at this point. So I kind of imagine they kind of wanted them back in. Is that the case? Yeah. We've had the, 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 the... No, we had Losing Time. That was two episodes ago. Well, okay, so two two to three episodes. Like, it was like well, the last two episodes have been about John aboard Tallinn. Black John, I believe, as he's referred to. Black T. Yeah, yeah, yeah because based on the color of their T-shirts. No, they're alternating. No. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> okay, well, we have our handy database here. Let's have a... Let's have a, 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 a one, two, three, four. I declare a fan war. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Relative. 308 was Green-Eyed Monster, so that was on Talon. That's no moon. Yeah. Uh, with the boo-dong-dong-dong, a boo-dong-dong. Yeah. And then 309 was Losing Time, and that one was back on Moya. Like a, it was like a lake of blood. It was uh. biblical. Was uh, it, though? Yeah. Biblical. With uh. the energy rider, right, taking over pilots. Oh, yes. And then 310 was Relativity. That was that was last week, so that was with Zalax. Senior Officer Zalax Sun. And the retrieval squad, so that was yeah. back on Talon, who was I, grounded. I completely and now forgot we're about back lo- on. Yeah, I completely forgot about losing time. It just does not exist in my memory. Really appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally get what you mean because I didn't really sort of figure out that they were alternating while I was watching it. Like I didn't, I didn't think about it in those terms, hmm. even though it's obvious. I mean, I, I, I would have expected them to do that, but yeah, yeah it's like it doesn't feel like it. It's it's really interesting at this point because I I sort of spoiled it for you that they were alternating back and forth by saying you know that last one was it was a green tea episode and so was, so was this one again, but it was really interesting to see how the fandom sort of divided because I mean the the, the choice to split up the crew was pretty controversial yeah especially for it to last as long as it as it did yes 
you know, you expected it to be resolved within an episode or two, so did most people. And so for a lot of people, they like they got they, really invested in one. They got a favorite timeline or yes. a favorite uh, crew. And then the other sort of felt like mm, filler. Right. Right. Ah. And so I don't fully remember which side I was on. I think I was on team, team Green Tea because I was much more into the sort of wormhole and Scorpius relationship yeah. than, than I was never big like John Aaron Shipper. There's a lot of being said by our listeners about this episode. Oh, gosh, yes. We have, like, a lot of synopses. So, let's, here we go. (laughs) We start off. If you can't get real Crichton, homemade is fine. Find out how many ways you can make a human smoothie on this episode of Muppet Babies. Thank you, (laughs) Hurstbird. Oh, good gravy. This one's a song. Like the Beverly Hillbillies theme. Oh, I know Uh, that, but it's been a while. Come and listen to my story about our favorite Dom villain. Can he convince our leading human to side with him? Oh, I'm making it into Johnny Crichton's bits again. <laughs> Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> a sebation and a scare and quite an interesting mix. Our villain figuring out why wormhole technology was in quite a fix. Will revenge be a dish best served cold by the end of the day? Or will our villain be frustrated in dismay? Coolant broads, that is. <laughs> oh, no, now I know. Uh, yeah, Beverly Hills, that yeah. is. <laughs> well done, Brian. Thank you. To trust Scorpius or not, that is the question. Yes, <laughs> trust him. He's absolutely correct about things. Wink. <laughs> Thanks to Dirk Prime. And a neural chip gets a history lesson and finds out why someone made a sweet move to join the army and get their pre- pet project paid for. Oh, say that ten times fast. Dreams made of deep space exploration could be made a reality by a strange visitor. Very good. But they could also melt away before they're realized. Ah. Well done, Lucy. An orphan shares the harrowing details of his tortured childhood at the hands of his wicked stepmother. (laughs) But his audience remains unsympathetic to his plight, which really burns up his second in command. It's a hard knock life. Thank you, Jenna. And squeaking in at the last moment, Billy Roberts with Get Ready for a Villain to Not Be as Bad as You Think He Is, we learn of Scorpius' backstory of how he became the peacekeeper he is. Will John give in and help? We shall see. Mm. Wow. These are some fantastic synopses. I love the, the sort of visual poetry. And it sort of makes sense because it's a really, like, arch, almost gothic story. It is. I uh, felt a little, hey... I was a uh, I was a young writer when this came out, mm-hmm. and oh, I think I was collabing with a, a friend of ours. She was a Brazilian artist who lived in the Netherlands for a yeah. while on some project that we never wound up making. And I, I was writing this villain that had this uh, horribly tormented backstory, and I was just piling on the, the 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 sort of like gothic Elizabethan misery and body horror. And then I saw this episode and go, oh, okay, so it's not just me. Okay, Good. apparently everybody does this with the. You just have a horribly tormented... Uh, Bad okay. guy. Well, yeah. what am I going to do now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been done. I have to come up with something else now. Oh, story of my life. <sighs> so, yes, the episode. Um, oh, yeah, we've got the music. Prepare to stop it. Yeah. Ooh. And that's kind of the sound we get at first, because <gasps> yes. they're bringing in another prowler. Auto-retrieval sequence complete. Yes, in the uh, in, in the sort of landing bay, we've got two people at the at the window watching the prowler being brought in. One of them is Braca. The other is a woman that we haven't seen before. She's a curious alien with uh, with white hair with blue tips and yes. sort of patterning around her jet black eyes. She's very confident. Braca is not so sure because the pilot still hasn't signaled in yet. The pilot still hasn't responded. Another failure. It can't be. Phase negative shield deployment will eliminate the tissue liquefaction effect. 
and they open the ship, and it's more pilot soup that comes running out. Which, uh, prowler pilot soup, not sorry, pilot pilot. Right. Yes, of course. Ooh. This woman, who seems to be a scientist as well. Yes, her name is Linfer. Linfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she proclaims that it must have been the, the pilot's fault that they didn't configure the shields right. It can only be attributable to sebation error. Yes. Even when uh, Strappa shows up, Kokura Strappa, the, uh, uh, the lead of the, uh, of the right. project. He's a denari, right? I don't think his species is mentioned. Okay. Her species is mentioned as a Relgarian mm-hmm. uh, by pilot later on, but I don't think uh, uh, Kokura Strappa's species is mentioned. He just has... He looks so harried. He's, he does, but, you know, can you imagine being a project leader under Scorpius? Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I'd be harried, and I'd be a terrible project leader on a good, under a good manager. <laughs> I mean, we've seen a lot of very confident peacekeepers before. Linfer seems to be one of them. Yes, but Scorpius seems to be the kind of person who wears down that kind of confidence in his Not subordinates. Jedman mustn't have followed instructions. If he didn't recalibrate his phasing prior to exiting the wormhole... Don't blame the pilot for your mistakes. I made no mistakes. I have correctly interpreted the equations from the neurochip. Not with Linfer, because even when uh, when Scorpius shows up, Linfer says, no, I'm sure this was right, and in fact, I'm going to pilot it myself. I'll prove it, yes. At, at first, I mean, as soon as she was, like, complaining that it must have been Sebastian error, I was like, oh, put your money where your mouth is and prove it, which she, in fact, does. Yeah. The one element we lacked is the correct phase progression, and I'm convinced we have that now. Convinced? Yes. In fact... I wish to pilot the next test flight myself. There's a bit of a display where we see the information that was pulled out of John's brain, but which, but it's encrypted. It's a little bit of a back and forth over like, oh, we didn't get all of it. Well, we did get all of it, but it's like, yeah, we can't get to it. Yes, because Strappa had the uh, had the the data, as he insists on referring yes. to, <laughs> checked by the coding section and found this uh, this chunk, which Linfer sort of dismisses, like at at. I mean, at best, it's just junk, and at worst, we don't need it, because my science is... Uh, my science is as good as your science. Yeah, exactly. And so when she asks for uh, for permission to, to pilot the next mission, Scorpius overrules Strapper's objections. As your project leader, I cannot allow you to take the risk. Oh, permission granted. Scorpius is the kind of guy who rewards that confidence, and if it comes with pun- with its own built-in punishment, then he's also fine with that. Oh, yes. Officer Cobrin at the start of the season. Yes. The, uh, the little hotshot pilot that it he uh, was eye-frelling. Yeah, if he's like, yeah, if you think you can do it, I'm willing to give you the opportunity. And if you do, then you'll get the reward. And if you don't, then, well, that's too bad. That's the peacekeeper way, isn't it? Yeah, as they say. For you to others in Dutch. Yes. Plenty more where those came <laughs> that's from. That's one, yes. Our time grows short. We have to take risks. It looks really cool, that display of data. Mm-hmm. It's this sort of web of symbols in these in these streams. It's, it's a bit like Deep Space Nine, but... It's, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of uh, evocative of, like, complex multidimensional math written yes. across multiple membranes, and I kind of like that. But he asks for the chip to be handed to him, Mm-hmm. He says, Han, bring me the chip, which is right in front of him, and Kokura has to walk all the way around the <laughs> yes. table to get it and walk all the way back. It's like Sherlock Holmes asking asking Watson, can you, can you give me my phone? Sure, where is it? In my pocket? <laughs> and he also summons uh, uh, Nurse Froy. Nurse Froy and Braca uh, join him. I, I like her hair. 
Yeah. She's got like blue uh, blue chick hair, I suppose. Yeah, a new PK Barbie. I don't think we've seen this one before. We've seen uh, we've seen one with red hair before. I think we've also seen one with blue hair before. Ooh, I don't know for sure. And we see the spy microphone plant that he's got in his uh, quarters, apparently. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm referring to a, uh, a episode of Allo Allo, which is a uh, British comedy series for the people who are not aware of that, uh, which takes place during World War II. And at certain points, there is like, I think it's a vase of daffodils or something, which contains a spy microphone, which... When it's activated in the officer of the German commander, it's like one of those daffodils just like comes up on a straight stalk. It's really obvious that it's a fake one. And then, then kind of starts turning around and facing whomever is talking at the time. And this kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, he does have interesting decorations in his boudoir. It's this, I mean, do you, what does it look like to you? It looks like some sort of, I don't know, maybe succulent you know how they sometimes have spiky bits that are no. It's a. Uh, it, it looks like a bird of paradise uh, plant. Oh. Uh, let me uh, let me find you a picture of that. Bird of paradise. Yeah, mom's garden. Dime a dozen. This looks like just like it. Do those grow in Australia? Do you think he's gone sort of flower picking in between scenes? Here, have a look. Uh, this is what the uh, flower looks like. It's clearly. Oh yeah. Very clearly inspired on that. Right. Well, I guess those yes, uh, those are native to uh, both Australia and space, apparently. Yeah, maybe like it got smuggled around. But no, actually, it didn't get smuggled along by John because we know for a fact that it was on another planet. But we will get to that later during the episode. Yes, because now begins the uh, the real meat of the episode. All of this that we're seeing so far is is kind of a framing story for a show-and-tell I suppose, uh, yeah. Right session. Yeah, the neural chip gets placed in his little screw-out uh, cooling rod holder. And it's, apparently it's like one of those chip near-field technology chips that you can just put in there and you can just kind of, kind of make, maybe spit on it or use a little bit of chewing gum to like stick it in there. <laughs> no, and- they're better than that. They're better than that. She did say that like the socket has been installed. Yeah. Socket in place. Ready to install the neurochip. So apparently that's what she did first. And then she, first just and then she kind of just sticks it on there anyway. I mean, if it's good socket, then it's, you know, it, it's reversible, right? It's like a USB-C, mm-hmm. which is better than the other USBs. And now he's got that in his brain, and now it's time for a nap. Yes, he has a little lie down, and in his mind's eye, he's, we see this, like, featureless room with fog on the floor. And Yeah, he wakes up in a BBC music video. <laughs> yes. I sort of, I sort of expect. I'm walking in the... No, what's the other one? With the, with the, with the woman who, who squeals really high. She had a music video like oh, this, didn't she? I I have no idea what you're referring to. Like a moonlight shadow. Oh, no, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, but that's a um, Enya era no, of uh, pop um, music. I know who you're talking about. That is. Didn't she have a no, whoever that no. was? You're thinking of Kate Bush, and that's not what I'm, uh, I'm talking about. And that's not the one who oh. did Moonlight Shadow. Is by. <laughs> You know we can edit. I know, that's why I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now it's, this it's, is I, too I, much I, fun I, to edit. I, I, I just can't get the name. Oh, come on, that guy who did um, Amarok, uh, Mike Oldfield. Wait, but it was a woman's voice, wasn't yes. it? Yes. I mean, oh, he okay. produced it and he just he just hired the the, the late last to sing it. Oh, okay, some, uh, some session musician. All right, fair enough. But, yeah, I mean... Doesn't this look like the kind of set where you've got the like this? Uh, there's 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 fog on the floor, mist in the air. There's a there's a single light from above. It sort of looks like a a Eurovision Song Contest intermission scene from the yeah, from the 90s, right? But it also looks like a lot of the scenes we've seen between Harvey and John. You know, when he's like sitting in a car and we're, it's ostensibly meant to be a drive-in. Oh, yeah. it, it, I thought it much more mirrored that. Like it just seems to be the kind of like 
mindscape thing that they're going for when it comes to uh, other people living in your brain? Very good, because this is exactly that. Because Crichton shows up. Crichton with his uh, uh, long leather duster. Oh, let me look at it. No, it's not quite right. Okay, so what we're supposed to, what we, what we take away from this is that the Crichton he's communing with is a sort of neural clone that was also absorbed by the neural chip while it was in his head. So now there are three. Yes, great. <laughs> Isn't that just great? With an attitude like that, you really think you're the best of the three of us? <laughs> hey, more Crichton's the merrier. Fanfic readers out there, have a field day. And this was extracted from his brain at the end of season two, right? During Dime Dichotomy. And so that's where Ben Browder sort of came at the character here, played him with that sort of nihilistic attitude because... Mm-hmm. Five minutes ago, he watched Aaron die. After the opening credits, Scorpius asks John, Tell me, what's the last thing you remember? Oh, yes, very good. You were digging around in my brain. Ice planet, diagnosing. He was digging around in my brain, trying to pull your chip out of my... Oh, he screwed up? I kicked it on the table? I am in hell! No, 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 no. The diagnosing was successful, and the neurochip was removed. The, the thing that I sort of complained about that was a little bit of, of a mistake is Crichton still has season three hair. Uh, he doesn't have the spiky hair that I sort uh-huh. of liked. He's got the thicker sideburns and the, and, the, and the comb down. I guess it would have been too difficult to like switch back and forth between those two hairstyles within the time frame of one episode. I mean, this is a show that did My Three Crichtons. Right, where you had where you had sort of future brain pan and uh, uh-huh. a, a Neanderthal John in the in the same episode, and they can't like do his do, do sort of backcombing. I don't know. Ah. This is the, the the sort of situation that uh, Scorpius tries to explain to him, which I mean, it's obviously a lot to take in. Hey, you're not real. Strictly speaking, you're not John Crichton, but for my purposes, you'll do. Oh. Well, that's, he tries that's... to walk away a few times, and it's, it's sort of like in Labyrinth or, or well, something else. Keep that looping thinking... back to the same place, yes. And he goes, like, how are you going to, like, convince me to help you? And he goes, like, well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. That sort of Beverly Hillbillies thing really kind of works. <laughs> now, let me tell you a story about <laughs> however it goes. Because, yeah, Scorpius knows that this section of code might be important and that Neural John might be able to help unlock it. Mm. And so he's going to tell him a story of woe and desperation. And that's the meat of the rest of the episode. Now, I have, a, I have a sort of critical question for you at this point. Yeah. Do you think that Scorpius is telling the truth? Ooh. No wrong answers. No. I'm, I'm just curious where you're, where you're coming from. because. Yes, I do. I concur. Yeah. And, and so does David Kemper. Like, there doesn't seem to be any strategic value to lying no, it might be, you know, exaggerated a little bit in places, but I would say that, to me, it felt like this was, in fact, Scorpius' actual backstory. Yeah, I, I sort of agree. Also, from a filmmaker's point of view, I suppose, it, it's like we don't know a lot about Scorpius at all, and this would be an excellent way of uh, yeah, getting the watchers uh, clued in on what his uh, backstory is. Yeah, to evoke a little... Um Oh, I guess sympathy for the devil, right? Yeah, and you can always like go back to like, oh, well, we don't like that. Well, he lied about that part, you know. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of gaps. Um, oh, that too, yeah. So now that Scorpio has a captive attitude, he starts his story in a in a sort of very Dickensian fashion. Oh, my first memory was of pain. pain. 
Yes, yes he was, he's under the, under the pain light. I think my dentist has one of those. <laughs> Hopefully it's not as uncomfortable as it seems to be for, uh, 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 for poor young Scorpy who is in a bad way. What the hell is that? My first 12 cycles of life. That's a little too much information. You can keep your memories. So Dave Elsie, the creature effects coordinator, had a field day working out young Scorpius. Oh, yeah? Because his pet theory was that modern Scorpius that we see is the best he's ever looked. Okay. And this was the opportunity to show what Scorpius would look like without the various surgeries and therapies and injections and the suit that he's got keeping himself together. It wasn't really... Yeah, it looks a bit odd and weird. It looks very whitey, I suppose, as in, as in a, a white, looking like... A, oh, yes, uh, W-I-G-H-T. Yes. Yeah, uh, the, I, I wasn't really sold on that, on the look of young Scorpius. Okay, so here's here's something that maybe might turn it around. Dave Elsie's inspiration was was this idea that he's... He, Scorpius is a sebation scarron hybrid. Yeah. Scarrons have an absurdly high body temperature, and sebations have a terrible heat tolerance. Yeah. I can relate. <laughs> yes. And so the result is he was born in the throes of heat delirium and he's effectively like a burn victim of his right. own yeah. right, his own tissue can't withstand mm-hmm. his own uh, so that's what like the the sort of liquefaction of his his face and uh, I mean okay. I don't want to get too gruesome about it no, but no. I thought that was like, ugh, there's a lot of body horror in this episode. There is. Speaking of bodies, I know this is like I think this is the first time we see a female Ascaran. Yes. There's quite a lot of sexual dimorphism between them, isn't there? Yes. You will not cry. Sit up. Sit up. Faster. Why can't you sit up? It's hot. It's at less than optimum temperature. I will make it warmer. Tauza, her name is, and she's the caretaker and sort of uh, uh, a tutor. Jailer. Uh, yes. Uh, wicked stepmother. She's got, I mean, she's got a cool dress with these tubes. She sort of looks like a, like a xenomorph alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a much more squat jaw. Like the, the, the face is much smaller and more forward. Right, and the, well, the, the head is smaller. I mean, uh, yeah, scarrants have, have these, the, these elongated heads. And, like a uh, horse head, yeah. Yes, very much so. And she doesn't. And the females apparently do not. I'm looking at this, and I'm wondering whether her eyes are the actor's eyes or whether the eyes are animatronics as well. Mm. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Hard to she, tell. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they are her eyes, then they're... She has full sclera contact lenses mm-hmm. so that you don't see which direction they're looking in. I mean, that's a great design. It's very spiky. It's recognizably feminine, despite the fact that like, she doesn't have secondary sexual characteristics right. like breasts, which would make sense for maybe a non-mammalian species. But she does have high heels and, 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 and a very sort and of... They do like high heels in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh... Gives your butt a little lift. <laughs> I suppose, yes. Bride of Dracula, kind of like you know, uh, uh, Nosferatus. 
sort yeah. of silhouettes. And they do, uh, and she does have the high shoulder pads that uh, male uh, Scarens also seem to favor. So, oh yeah. Um, so it's like I can see the look, but yeah, there's a little bit of uh, casual torture, like you are weak and you're a sebation and you have to get stronger, otherwise, like we're going to. I mean, it's never really explicitly said that they'll kill them. That there's an alternative. No. Do you know why you are here? Because I'm weak. Why are you weak? I am partly <sighs> sebation. Because she is running this project of supposedly a rescued Scarron Sebation hybrid. Yeah. Like, that's the that's the story that she's telling him, that he was the product of a sexual Scarron. assault. Yes. Uh, I mean, a bit of I a mean, content that, warning. That, that but wasn't light, yeah. Yeah. A bit of a content warning, but if you're listening to this, you have seen the the episode, and so it does deal with sexual assault and the the, the resulting pregnancy, which resulted in Scorpius. But the myth that she's telling is that the uh, assailant was a Sebation who assaulted an innocent Scarron woman, and that's why Scorpius has been rescued and is now being trained over the the course of 12 cycles. Yes, to be a proper uh, Scarron, sorry. To withstand the weakness of his flesh. They have a real obsession with strength and weakness, right? Mm -hmm, Very much so. Sebations are weak. Then you cannot be weak. You must become strong. Another weakness... They they ex- they sort of expose him to heat and and deprivation and torment, with the expectation that he will just overcome it. Yeah, be the best person you can be, or yes, the best Scarron, because yes, he has to rid himself of his submission weaknesses. Yeah, it's a it's a brutal attitude. Meanwhile, on Moya, the, the quest for <laughs> wormhole continues, much to Dargo's chagrin. Um, you know we've been. Flying around aimlessly for nearly 15 solar days, John. It's not aimless, Dargo. There's a wormhole out there. I can smell it. This is almost like a holding pattern episode for the people on Moya. Mm-hmm. Because there's not much movement between where they start and where they end. No. For the last 14 cycles, they have been uh, prowling around doing a search pattern, looking for more wormholes. And apparently, Jewel and uh, Chana are getting fed up with it. And Dargo sends, uh, is sent out to go talk to John into maybe having a little shore leave. Keeps Moya's mind off of Talon and the Retrieval Squad. Well, it hasn't stopped me thinking about them. Yeah, well, what do you want me to do about that? You're the one who decided we should stay away and let them deal with it. Which suits you perfectly so you can indulge yourself. Fine. I'm indulging myself. Maybe I'm entitled once in a while. Yeah, once in a while. You want to push this, Mr. Let's-go-find-my-son? Look, it doesn't matter what I think. The point is that Chiana and Jewel really need to get off this ship. They're driving each other insane. They're driving me insane. So do me a favor. Indulge them for once. There's a, a couple of really interesting conflicts being set up, and they're mostly between everyone and John. Yes. Because John is the only one who seems to really have, like, a sense of purpose at this point. But his purpose is just to fly around and find... Uh, wormhole. Yep. yep. Gain more wormhole information. And, like, nobody else has a better plan... They can't rejoin uh, uh, Talon. Moya seems to actually, a uh, pilot says that she's enjoying the chance for free mm. flight. But the key sort of conflict is that Dargo wants John to be honest about his selfishness. Yes. Because John makes excuses like, oh, it keeps Moya's mind off of, off of Talon. No, d- you're doing this for you. And that's, you know, that's bad yeah. enough. But lying about it is worse. Yeah, and that comes back later in the episode too. Jewel also has a conflict with John, which is slightly different. She she also calls him out on his uh, his hypocrisy, but she sort of cottons on to to like the degree of respect that he has for others really depends on how much they agree with him. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny how you support Pilot only when you both want the same thing. That's crap, Jewel. Truth is never crap. Which right. is not entirely fair, but... Isn't it? I mean, they make the comment about, like, oh, you only agree with Pilot and Moya because they're doing what you want to do, which is kind of what the whole point of agreeing is. He respects choices that he would have made, and he doesn't respect choices that he wouldn't have made, but that's not how respect works. Like, either you respect someone's ability to make decisions for themselves with mm-hmm. their, you know, with their, within their own authority to do so, or... You consider them a subordinate, right? Right, maybe. I mean, there's also just disagreeing with someone and voicing that. That doesn't necessarily mean that there is no respect. That's true. But, uh... And lastly, like, there's a sort of inkling of the continuing animosity between Jewel and and Chiana, but I honestly didn't get much of that. No. I didn't get much of Chiana at all, honestly. No, there's a little bit of uh, stuff, but not, not... I mean, both Jewel and Chiana have tiny parts in this episode. Especially Chiana is just also there and mm-hmm. doesn't really get much to do, which is a shame, but yeah. I guess you can't have everyone doing everything all the time. Uh, some of the writers, I think Ricky Manning was during one of the sci-fi.com chats, talked about how like splitting up the crew was actually a really, like, like it actually wasn't hard for the writers. They really enjoyed having the the sort of time and, and, and the room to spend some time with these characters without having to balance like 84 characters in 44, yeah. 42 minutes. Oh, that makes sense. Hey, look, um, sorry if I snapped. You could use some sleep. Yeah, you're right. Pilot. Yes, Commander. I'll wake you the microt moist senses anything. You're the man. In this initial scene, Dargo manages to talk Crichton into getting some sleep. Yeah. And he calls up Pilot and says, Pilot, let him sleep for 12 hours. Don't wake him up no matter what. Agreed. Pilot does this uh, beautiful little weary sigh and goes like, yeah, I agree. It's like, <laughs> even though Pilot has been very uh, friendly and accommodating to John, he is definitely also seen that John is wearing himself too thin. Yes, and everyone else around him, his, his wormhole obsession, because he tries to like frame it that you know if we have wormholes, we can all go home and yeah. nobody's as into it as he is. And he even throws it back at uh, Dargo, says like, oh. You want to push this? Mr. Let's go find my son. You know, like, why is this different? Uh, yep. Which is, like, fair. No. So, more Scorpius torture in his youth. With what condition were you born? Salvation heat delirium. Also known as the living death. Who saved you from it? Scarrens. Who specifically? You. I love this set. This sort of prison where where Scorpius is being uh, being kept, it's got like where where sort of peacekeeper architecture is observably alien, but still very like based mm-hmm. on rectangular uh, shapes and straight lines and tubes and sort of the kind of industrial look that we're used to, but in an alien mode. This is really organic. Like the yeah. the, the windows have these these polygonal shapes in them, like cells. Yeah, under, almost uh, like, like a not-quite-honeycomb yes, construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it, feels a lot more like, it feels a lot more like Moya than it does like a command carrier. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because of the, the sort of round shapes and the yeah. organic uh, sort of... Mem- There's a lot more that's transparent. They've got all these bubbles. and mm. it, it's, it, it feels like you're inside an organ. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Ugh. 
So, yeah, this is like, I mean, at this point, I'm feeling like, okay, this is just Scorpius trying to, like, get the sympathy plight from John. Yeah. Which I, th- I mean, which is pretty much what he is doing. He's just setting him up for his final argument. The home movies are fascinating, Scorpius, but why show them to me? Patience. And all will be clear. Now, what do you think is, is the sort of motivation for being this honest about this, this weakness of his? What do you think it's going to accomplish with John? Well, this is not John. This is uh, Chip, Chip John. Yeah, but it uh, might as well be. Like, uh, I mean, oh no, I know. But I mean, as far as Scorpius is concerned, there is no risk in exposing himself to this Chip John, and therefore he can like say anything he needs to, whether it be true or a lie. He right. can he can still say like, okay, and he he's obviously thinking that like knowing what he knows about John, that this is in his opinion, the most thing most likely to get to John to help him. Like, just uh, the create, literally just create sympathy. Yeah, empathy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that has been a motivator for, yes. for Crichton in the past. Ooh, especially children. He saw that in uh, Look at the Princess. Yeah. My child deserves a father made me a statue. Right, once Oh, there, yes, of course, yeah. Once there was the... Oh, did, did Scorpius know about that? Oh, I don't know mm, if he knew about probably that. Probably not, no. But the possibility of a child that really sort of motivated John to, you know, yeah. change his mind about uh, about things that he was quite adamant about. Before. I mean, he probably he probably can't torture John, or he knows that it's not going to uh, work. Right. I mean, he did that all through season two. And right. This is as far as he got. Yeah. So, and there's no there's no cost for him to do this. So he might. Well, there is a bit, of, but that's because he's like frying himself. I don't like these readings. Are they at critical levels? No, but they soon will be. Then proceed as Corpus instructed. I kind of like how it's being projected in in the sort of mind palace. Like there's this wall of steam coming down that the images are projected onto. And you get this uh, fade out through effect from the actual shot to John looking at this projection in the uh, cloud. Yes, that's very well done. That must have been shot on site. Because I've I've seen that sort of before where uh, 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 sort of vapor projector screens are being used, like mm. Sequest DSV, ooh, also a, a Rockney S.O. Bannon jam. They had screens that just came down from the ceiling as a as a wall of vapor Fog, that, a, yeah. Yeah, that a projector sort of projected yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, yes, why not? Yeah. So back, back on Moya, once more, we see a prowler being brought in. Yes, it uh, it emits a distress signal, which Dargo and Chiana both insist pilots should ignore. Pilot starburst away immediately. And pilot says, "No, no, no, not doing that." And like even even Dargo points out, this is exactly how Talon was uh, was trapped previously. But Moya doesn't sense anybody or anything that they could hide behind, and Linford gets brought on board. Yes, because she is a Relgarian. What's a Relgarian? And that's a species that Moya and pilot just. Trust. Yeah. yeah. What? As opposed to us? She is brought on board and proudly proclaims that she has solved the uh, wormhole problem. And she, yeah, she makes a complete twist. The way she acted uh, around Scorpius was much more like this, this stiff little, oh, I'm correct, yep. scientist. And around here, she is much more agreeable. You have nothing to fear from me and much to gain. Tell Crichton I offer him the secret to wormhole travel. Basically, she goes like, yeah, I, guys, I came to find you guys, and I want to give you the, this technology. I defected. It's basically like a, the, the Russian jet pilots who fly with their MiG uh, Foxbat uh, over to Japan and goes like, hey, hi, yeah, you saw me. Sorry I, uh, sorry I scared you, but here I am, and here's all the information <laughs> that you wanted. I ain't giving it to Scorpius. I'm here to uh, give it to you. Yeah. 
setting up a bit of a theme of enlightened self-interest. Now, we did skip over a few bits that I thought were really cool. Yeah. Like, during her transmission, Lynn first spoke directly to pilots in a yeah. language that pilot seems to speak. Leviathan vessel, I am Linfer. Kitan Anik, Utba Klinyashina, Anik. Pilot, do not answer them. Shochu, Takek El Na. Ana. Moya and I greet you in return. It doesn't sound like the, the pilot language no, that we've heard before. It's probably her own language. Jakite tells Kakuto. Slow, slow. Remember, simple sentences. At but least that's what I assumed. I got that too. Yeah. But he really enjoyed like speaking with her. She also addresses pilot and not the rest of the, the, the crew. And when her ship is brought in, we've got the docking dildos being upgraded. <laughs> this, look, it's got lights on I it know. now. Yes, I know. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of cool. And gosh, you once again get a reminder of just how, how huge Moya is. Yeah. Right? Because, yes, her, her, like she's now seeking asylum. Essentially, yes. Actually, so we follow this thread now before we return to, uh, to Scorpius? So we okay. Just, like... Because sure. this, this sort of sets up, her next move is to make a proposal that she can give John the wormhole knowledge that she has, mm-hmm. the negative phase shielding protection, like she said. Yes, yeah, she basically says, like, oh, you were lucky because uh, you must have just, like, lucked out that you didn't die when you can't went through the wormhole, despite the fact that they've been back in and out of the wormhole several other times in the meantime. But that was with uh, Pathfinder technology. True. Um, am I wrong, or is your first Tillin generator the key? Uh, correct pronunciation and yes. So she says that she's figured out that uh, uh, this negative phase shielding technology protects you from liquefaction that comes from unstable Ranthax flux. Wow, look at me. I'm a good little nerd, yeah. aren't I? Which, you know, which most wormholes are. And he was just lucky that the first one he traveled through wasn't just happened to. Yeah. Well. Uh, the next wormhole that we saw was in a human reaction, and that was created for him by the ancients, so they yeah. would have made a safe one. Yes. And then after that, the next one was... Uh, the one where uh, they ran into the... Uh, the Pathfinders, yes. who evidently had technology to traverse uh, wormholes safely. But which they also must have conveyed onto John's module, because he's that's one he's, he's flying around in with Rigel when exactly. he's hopping through, through the various wormholes. So he must already have that. Just give me the gizmo and tell me what to do. So we haven't seen him fly his module through a naturally occurring wormhole since then. So her hypothesis is actually, like, you lucked out that one time. Yeah. And you're not going to get lucky again. It's actually kind of valid. And she makes him an offer. She goes like, I'll let you have it in exchange for Moya. I offer you this knowledge. At what price? Moya. Which sounds... Absolutely sort of inhumane and brutal. Like, how did that land with you when she when she sort of made that offer? What was your reaction? I didn't really have a lot of time to react to it because John immediately says, no deal. Yeah. It's like, no, not a moment's hesitation. It's like, no deal. It's like, He's even, even gun at her at this point. Even the prospect of going back home is like, no deal. No, not getting that. Until several moments later, it turns out that Pilot and Moya kind of wouldn't mind that because yeah. like apparently they uh what these people like to do is take a leviathans and then go exploring the deep unknown space and pilots all about that linfers is a peaceful race of explorers they use leviathans to journey into deep space areas completely unknown something moy and i have dreamed of doing pilot you and moy would really consider this Moya and I would never abandon you, Commander. Yes, but given the choice, 
and you can see Pilot sort of almost sort of tugging his little shirt collar. <laughs> yeah, well, and this, yeah, and this is where again we, we get to the situation where John's uh, John's choice aligning with someone else's, uh, which gets thrown at him by uh, Dargo and uh, Chiana. Justifiably, I think. Can yeah. you stop pretending this is anything other than your idea? Because now he's pro deal. And he's trying to sell. It's called a housemates meeting. Yeah. He's trying to sell uh, Chi Jewel and Dargo on taking this deal. And he's saying it's you know it's what's best for all of us. Yeah. You know us together, all of us. If we all take it, it's also good for Pilot and Moya, and like it's it's good for everybody, right? Yes. And they're sick of his bullshit. Which is kind of. I mean. They might be sick of his bullshit, but he's not entirely wrong because every moments ago everybody was complaining about being cooped up on Moya. Terrific! This is what we're arguing about—the chance to stay cooped up together. But yeah. then again, now if they do get the wormhole technology, anybody can go wherever they want to go, and suddenly that's that's a bad thing. It's yeah. I'm surprised the jewel isn't all about that. Yes. like returning home. That's what I mean. That that seems like because. It's been kind of tricky to figure out why none of them can can go home when they ever like a lot of the times anytime they want to go anywhere they have a really easy time finding it. Yeah. You know, but I mean those are just block I mean, contrivances okay. and you kind of accept those, right? Uh for Chiana, yes, I can understand. She probably doesn't even want to go back to Nabari. Oh good point. She yeah. actually doesn't. No. So she's probably going like, Oh, it'd be nice if we didn't spend two weeks back and uh, back and forth thing across the space to find more wormholes, but in fact just went to go to interesting places. Dargo has probably kind of lost his purpose as well. I mean, can he go back to the Luxon homeworld? I mean, isn't that still occupied by peacekeepers or whatever the hell is going on there? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's lost his purpose. Yeah, I mean, his son's out there. He doesn't yeah. have any particular w- where to be. Like, can you imagine how this would have gone if... If Rigel had been on Moya instead of Chiana, because mm. Rigel, I am a dominar of action. You know, a wormhole weapon with which I can conquer my my cousin yes. Bishan and and reclaim my throne. Yeah, that sounds great. Who wants to help? Yeah, he'd be for he'd I'll be pay for twenty that. bucks a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like this, this sort of deal making goes nowhere. They all have an opportunity to sort of snipe at each other. There continues to yeah. be some some snipping between Jewel and uh, a little bit of bad atmosphere is created here. But then it very quickly turns out that Linfer's technology wasn't quite as good as it claims. It claimed yeah. because she has delayed onset liquefaction syndrome. <laughs> Yes, she's suffering dolls, as it's as it's unfortunately known. Um, to to Jules' horror, I think it's good that Jules the one to uh, uh, to sort of talk to her and and see the state of her face that she's you know bleeding from her eye and her cheek yeah. is sort of uh, starting uh, wet. to fall apart. Because we don't really get a lot of confirmation after this. We see Linfer flying out with her prowler. Yeah, she asks a favor from Jules. Uh, Jules obviously grants it. Uh, prowler flies off. John comes running onto the uh, command. Goes like, "You let her go!" And then pilot, get that prowler back here. Thank you, pilot, for granting my request. I'm sorry we won't travel together. Takahai, takaho. She rather destroys her ship and herself in the process than liquefying, I suppose. Which, I mean, seems fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, 
you are depriving them of a prowler that could be a useful thing. Right. But, yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's your it's your prowler. You get to do what you want with yes. it. Yes. Even Pilot gets asked, like, oh, you let her go? And Pilot goes, like, correct. Yes, I let her go. Uh. Correct again. He stands behind his decision. And this is where the, the, the sort of conflict between Jewel and Crichton comes up. Because Crichton says, oh, that's a, just a beautiful decision, man. Yeah, hold on. In this episode, within this within this story, he mm-hmm. was he was on Pilot's side when Pilot's desires aligned with his own. Yeah, and now as soon as they don't, he doesn't respect Pilot's uh, ability to make good decisions. Like Pilot decided that he wanted to go with Linfer, yeah. right? Even though he hadn't decided to actually do that, he, yes. he, he did say that he wanted to do that, and Crichton didn't support that until he learned what was in it for him, wormhole knowledge. Yeah, and then he did support it. And now Pilot made another decision that was his to, to make. Actually, no, no. I, I, oh, I, okay. I, I disagree because right. he, he knew that the wormhole knowledge, it was, it's the other way around. He knew what was in it for him was the wormhole knowledge and the price was Moya. And then he only later learned that, that Pilot was actually uh, yeah. okay with it. So he didn't want, because Pilot's actually, well, actually, that's kind of what I want, want as well. So that, that's the other way around. Yeah, you're completely right. That is entirely fair. He was, he was swayed by Pilot. So Jules' perspective is a little bit limited. People yeah. are complicated, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, funny that. <laughs> you happy? Very happy. Glad you're happy. She's not entirely wrong, though. Like he, When she points that out to John, John says, okay, that's crap. And she bites back, truth is never crap. Like, she doesn't need translator microbes. <laughs> yeah. To understand what he was, what he was saying, and that's the end of the Moya story. Yeah, that nips out in the bud, and it's like, sorry, no wormhole technology for you. Keep yep. going the way you were. Nothing gets resolved, really. Everybody just airs their dirty laundry. Yeah, there's just a little bit more animosity between the various people, I suppose. Because that's, that's what they needed. Oh yeah. So. Pick it up. Let's get this story over with. Back to the Eurovision Song Contest's intermission yes, we, sort of show. We learn more about Scorpius' abilities, how to that he can see in the ultra electromagnetic spectrum, which tells him to like can see when people lie, which is like finally confirms how he immediately knew that John that man was an imposter. He is an imposter. That man. Yes. I love the way he says it. Like, put, note to self, put in a clip of him saying exactly that and see how good an impersonation of Scorpius I did. Yeah. That man. That man. He is an imposter. As an imposter. Seize him. Seize him. I mean, this must be a difficult thing to realize. That something that you can do is not something that people can normally do. Right, yes. It reminds me of the story of a condition called aphasia, mm-hmm. which I don't know is, is currently recognized. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a very recent discovery where a person is unable to visually imagine things, where you don't have the ability to create an imaginary image in your mind. Yeah. And it was sort of discovered when someone, some gentleman... In my memory, he's Welsh, I don't know for sure, underwent brain surgery and then afterward reported to his surgeon, well, okay, I feel fine, but I'm no longer able to sort of picture things in my mind. And the surgeon went, what the f*** do you mean? And that's when the surgeon realized this is something that people can do because the surgeon can do it either. Mm -hmm. And since the surgery, neither could the patient. And that's where it sort of clicked together that apparently now that like this story became known and people started like examining their their experiences of the world – like something like five to twenty-five percent of of humans don't have the ability to sort of create a visual image no, it's of like something. If in you their ask mind. them, like picture a beach, and then like 
what does it look like? And they, yeah, they just can't make a mental image. Like, yeah, imagine they, a beach, they, they, and you're like, is there a chair? Is there a tree? And like, what what kind of tree is it? And they can't answer that. They can only think, make it up as they go along. But there was not, there was no mental picture of that beach in there. And we made it through thousands of years of having expressions like picture this or imagine that. <laughs> And people who didn't have that ability, or, you know, the other way around, people who did have that ability, none of them ever realized, realized that there's a percentage that people that can't do that. Yeah. Or at least. And so for, for Scorpius to realize that he can, he can look at someone and see things that they can't. Yes. That must have been quite remarkable. I mean, a, a clear indicator of his extraordinary genius level intellect. Yes. He uses this knowledge to escape and he starts telling John about, uh, yeah, the rest of his life, basically, how he. Got away from the uh, peacekeepers and started making his way. Sorry, uh, the Scarrans. Sorry, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. He made his way away from the Scarrans. Did a little bit of traveling around, and eventually, now we see a you know twenty-something Scorpius, I suppose. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, with a outfit which looks much more like the one that he was uh, we- that he's wearing uh, these days. Basically, Less sophisticated. Yeah, he's got a leather jacket and a sort of backpack plugged into his head. Yeah, but, uh, for the cooling system, and his uh, his skull cap is still a little bit uh, loose. It still has to grow in, into that, I guess. It's a... Honestly, I, like, it's a kind of a hot look. It's hot! And he is surrendering himself to a, a peacekeeper captain. Yes, because he's been interviewed by some interrogators to whom he gave a lot of information, but not everything. There were some secrets that he, he mentioned he would only, like, reveal to a flag officer. <laughs> I go, well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to deal with the captain. He's a very amiable fellow, isn't he, that captain? Yeah, I noticed that as well. He's like the chillest uh, <laughs> a, a peacekeeper we've ever seen. Yes. You'll deal with me or with more interrogators. Frankly, I'm a far better choice. I mean, he seems like he's just, like, holding a glass of gin in one hand and offering you another glass with the other. You know, he's yes. that kind of attitude. He's a very friendly man. To the point that, like, he has already prepared what, what Scorpius wants. Because mm. Scorpius reveals that his price for the knowledge that he has about Scarrans, of which he's only shown the tip of the iceberg, is knowledge of his own past. Mm. I want to know the truth. Why? So you can find out... Who you are to find out who I should be. Which Captain Molain already has. Like, as soon as he, he asks that question, he says, hold out your hands, uncuffs him, and tells him, well, we already corroborated everything that you that you said, and we've worked out where you indeed come from. Yes, which is a Sebastian colony ship, which yeah. was attacked by Scarrans. Only two people survived. They came down in what looks to me like a Leviathan pod. Yes, it's mentioned that they were travelling on a Leviathan. Mm. And so, yeah, they, they they land on this ship. It was... Uh, yes, we have a little bit of a, a, a little of a Blue Lagoon setting with one girl and one guy <laughs> who have a, a, a scene in which there's a lot of Australian sob drama arguing. It's like Home and Away, wasn't it? it? It's like, just like Home and Away. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Uh, this is, this is like, a, like, a, like a beach frontier... Like romance drama, it's a, it's a beautiful location. Yes. Scorpius even like prefaces it uh, like uh, these next images are not memory, but reconstruction, based on the log tapes that Captain Molane shared with me. Hey, good point. This was supposed to be our home. Well, we're here. No tools, no supplies, no grain seed, just one pulse pistol and whatever's in this pod. Like real pioneers. 
And they, yeah, they have their little thing uh, in their ship, which immediately gets invaded by Scarron. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Guy gets killed. Uh, girl gets kidnapped, I a suppose. male Scarron, who has a lot more sort of black markings mm-hmm. on his face than we've seen before. Oh, is that true? Oh, I wonder if you've seen this Scarron before, because he might have been... Uh, he looks sort of similar to the one that was interrogating Crichton. Right. In mm-hmm. Won't Get Fooled Again. Do you remember might when he made, thought it was They, back they on might Earth? have reused him and given him a few touch-ups. What if it was the actual one? Uh, it's possible. What, what if he What if he killed Scorpius's dad mm. in that episode? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We, we'd, we'd have to check that. Uh, uh, yes. We don't really have a like a segment for, for feedback, but that's just a little sort of pet fan theory. Right. And then we see what is, I suppose, a memory of Scorpius actually visiting that ship. This is where we see the flowers, too. So the flowers are from Oh, this you're pl- right! Yeah. I should have foreseen it. I deserve what came next. Oh, wow! The, the spy flower we see at the beginning of the episode and at the end of it, uh, this that grew on this planet. So this is clearly a, like has a, a certain emotional connection for Scorpius. Right. So, yes, so the flower that was... I mean, is it a flower? Oh, um, it's, it's, it like lo- a, it's like a non-green it sort kinda of leaf. Looks, no, it kind of looks like a flower. I don't know what it is. It, it grows on a plant. You know, yeah. it could be anything. It looks flowerish. You're a plant? Always have been, John. Good job. I have... I have never noticed that. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, this is huge. I mean, th- th- yeah. so, like, this is why he has that in his... Uh, he must have gone back here a, a second time because we see him going back to this abandoned transport pod. It looks sort of like... Um, it hadn't been touched in 10 years. Or so I thought. Aaron's pod in the locket. Yeah. It's all aged and yeah. worn down and covered in cobwebs and filled with traps. And I thought this was weird because the voice we hear here, for a moment, I thought it was a pilot. The pod is sealed. Do not attempt escape. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, just that's what it sounded like. It sounded like it was a pilot's voice. But it's not. It turns out to be uh, his old uh, Wicked harsh stepmother. Mis- yes, that's yeah. <laughs> and he's brought back to that cell. Yep. Where Tauza now taunts him with the uh, the various sort of surgical and mechanical upgrades that he's given himself. She's, How uh, primitive. Too feeble. To conquer your own deficiencies without help. And once again, that obsession with strength. Like, she mm. she looks down on him for having, like, prosthetic and, ex- and assistive devices. Yes. That if you can't overcome your own weaknesses, you don't deserve to live. Yeah, she, is- uh, she, she unplugs his coolant uh, hose and puts him under the pain light again. Oh, brutal. Not stripping him of his, his suit otherwise? No. I suppose not. You are Scarum, or you are nothing. Back to the command carrier, where we actually have several scenes in which there's an argument between, how did you put it again, Barbie? P.K. Barbie, P.K. Barbie. That's what his nurses are called. She's called Nurse Froy. Okay. She's got cool blue eyes. And, and, and Bracca, who are having arguments about whether or not he should be left in, uh, in this mental state that he's in when he's accessing the, uh, the chip. His temperature's climbing. He's in danger. <laughs> because she is responsible for Scorpius's health, and she's noticing, like, his his vitals are going all over the place. I need to pull him out. And Bracca says, no, you don't. What he's doing is important. Yeah. Well, the first time around, they have this argument, and he goes, like, are they critical levels yet? And no, they're not critical yet. Right. Uh, and then it eases off quickly enough. But the second time around, then Bracca actually f- forces her away and yep. lets Scorpius sort things out on his own. Oh, oh, oh. We're here at a point where the, the sort of discussion doesn't matter because uh, Scorpius wakes up anyway. He takes a little yes. break. 
uh, and goes down to the research bay to talk to Strapper, who reports that mm, mm, we're not entirely sure. We think we aren't sure, but uh, we're checking now. What? Maybe Linford defected. Yeah, she doesn't come back and we haven't found a ship yet. And it's yeah. like either destroyed or she buggered off. Well, keep looking, says Scorpius. And Bracca sort of reinforces that. He leaves behind, oh, another non-white peacekeeper. He, he does look a bit Pacific Islander-ish, doesn't he? Right, yes, that's what I, that, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he looks, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Oceania, Oceanian. Mm. What's, the, what's, the, what's the term? yeah. Big, uh, hunky, strapping fellow with fantastic eyebrows. He is, woof, continuing the tradition of extremely sexy uh, <laughs> uh, uh, peacekeepers in general. Yes, yeah, so who is left to kind of menace the scientist, have him a little, keep working on it, and uh, yeah. Ugh. If Strapper doesn't move fast enough, give him some extra incentive. Clear? Quite clear, sir. Keep checking! Keep, keep checking! After his uh, his moment's respite, Scorpius is is back. I'm walking in the air. I mean, he was not content just to be recaptured, even though Scorpius previously said, "Like I was such a fool for being caught by that that simple trap on the pod. It was yeah. so little effort. I should have seen it coming. I deserve what came next." But he still fought his way free, even with a with a full Scarron who he finally taunted into revealing the truth. Yes. That, I mean, he says, like, I know you were lying. That, that, yeah. And I know that my father wasn't uh, a, uh, a Spatian, but, but that my father was a Scarron. Yeah. Uh, at which point, Wasface... Towser. Towser yeah. just shows him, like, yes, this is kind of like a rape scene that we see. Yeah. Like, uh, this is this was a a really difficult scene to film. Yeah, uh, because imagine. the director, Ian Watson, like they, they, they had a lot of discussions, like how are we going to, to show this? And, and the decision was made, like the, the drama should be carried by the, the actress's face mm-hmm. and every male in the room should feel guilty afterwards. <laughs> Which, yes. I mean, it's, 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 it's a really, like, she's, she's strapped down. Um, so Scorpius's mother, whose name is Rylani Jima Delos, Delos is apparently the family name because the uh, the other uh, mm-hmm. male that was with her was uh, was also named Delos. Rylani Jima Delos, born on New Heather, disappeared on the Motac Four colonization flight. Age twenty two cycles. In a chamber that looks very much like where uh, where Scorpius is being held, and. I'm not exactly sure how he's being shown these images. It seems to be coming through the the dentist pain light. Right. That he's that he's even feeling it. Yes, that's a bit unclear. I mean, I didn't get that impression that he was, but it could be. Yeah, uh, I think I the pain light is just the what's causing the pain. So but we, where but, are these images coming from? And yeah, we do have this like gorgeous. Well, gorgeous is not the right word, but very well done shot, which is the fade between. Uh, Scorpius's mother's face being projected in the smoke again uh, and the oh, fade yes. over to John, which was like, yeah, that was a really powerful moment. And it's like, again, I think it's Scorpius is kind of using this to, like, get the sympathy vote from John. Right, yeah. Because he also responds to uh, women in distress, yeah. women and children in, in particular. Like, it's that, it's that old sort of southern chivalry. Yes, that he must have noticed in John by now. But he tells him that, like, don't worry, it's almost over, and we get the, uh, yeah, basically the scene of how he fights himself free from uh, his uh, tormentors. His evil stepmom gets the, uh, basically, two glow rods to the eyes. 
Scorpius pretends to puke, but it was just to retrieve the elongated cooling rod, snaps it in two, jabs them into her eyes, continuing what Ricky Manning calls the eye-pummeling theme of, uh, you know, from... I mean, it seems to be a weak point on Scarens. I mean, they don't have many. Right? Yeah. It's it's the only soft bits, and you go for the soft bits. True, yeah. I mean, like, one of those uh, Scarens actually gets shot straight on in this episode, and, like, yes, she kind of just, like, kind of oh, shrugs, yeah. shrugs it off. Like, yeah. yeah, I just got shot, whatever. They got uh, thick hides, those Scarens. Yeah, yeah. so he, he sort of snaps it in two, and following in the tradition of, let me see, DNA mad scientists. Stick a needle in my eye. Needles in the eyes, and yeah. a clockwork Nibari, where the eyes were pulled out. Yes. I don't want my eyes sucked out again. Now she's got, like, two sort of... Cooling rods, uh, heated up cooling rods stuck in the eyes. Jammed in her eyes, but, like, she's not down for the couch. Oh, no, she just keeps going. And it's quite a tough fight, even though the fact that she's blind and presumably in a lot of pain. She tries to use her her pain ray or whatever it is that the Scatterans can do. Blindly waving it about. Yeah, but young Scorpius makes his way out of the... uh, torture chamber of the cell, closes the sliding doors behind her and floods the room with cold. Oh, yes. You even see the the, the sort of cooling rods go from red to blue yep. in her eyes. It sort of looked like, um, do you remember in, in Pirates of the Caribbean where one of the pirates has a, has a wooden eye and yeah. then he gets a, like a fork stuck into it and you see the fork sort of turning around? Which as way, if depending can, on which way he's looking, yes. As if that's how it works. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And down she goes. Yep. And then Scorpius sort of says, well, you'd think after my previous escape, they would have instituted some rudimentary security on their transport pods. But they hadn't. But apparently not. No, they're not very good at it. No, just escaped the same way. Well, he actually calls the the carrier uh, to him and helps them defeat the dreadnought. Yeah, Uh, who was being imprisoned on, and that earns him special dispensation for the purity regulation. Yes. Given your... Unique status and clear loyalties, you are hereby exempted from all purity regulations. That's Which, like, whew, okay. Yeah. Because he show, he's shown himself to be ambitious and capable and, yeah, we can use this man. Inarguably loyal as well. And, uh, that too. And he manages to work his way up. So what we actually learned, it's one, one more thing that I think we need to talk about, is mm. that, like, how many of these Scarron hybrids did they try to make? Something like 45 or 40, 90. 90. 90 one out of 90 survived. actually yes. survived, and that was Scorpius, yeah. And then they decided, like, okay, sebations are useless because we can't even use them for breeding stock, which seems a bit, like, odd to go. They're like, I mean, I guess Scarrens are, maybe they are about, like, improving themselves. By crossbreeding, I mean... Yeah. But we've seen more Sebastian half-breeds. Uh, it's, it's interesting that there seems to be a lot of crossbreeding going on in this universe. Yeah, for, for Scarrens in particular, it seems to be about utility. Crystherium utilia. An acquired taste. Yeah. Because I sort of imagine from this, like she says that... Sebastians have no value, even as breeding stock. Instead, the Sebastian race will be eradicated. Right? That's also something that Scorpius has to deal with. The fact that he didn't have value to, the, to, to Tauza informed their policy decision to therefore extinguish the Sebastian species. Mm. That if he'd proven more useful, they would have decided not 
you know, the, the Sebastians would not have been threatened with extinction, only with enslavement for reproductive purposes. Yes, which, is also, which you know, leads beautifully order. into basically Scorpius's final argument for John, saying that you and I have a common enemy, Scarens. Plan to exterminate the Sebastians, but they won't stop there. Nor with Luxons, Delvians, Bannocks, or a thousand other lower life form, they'll stop. When they are the only sentient species left, and if they discover wormhole technology before we do, they'll have access to the entire universe, and yeah. they will eventually find Earth, and they will wipe out Earth. Because that's what they'll do with every species. They consider themselves the only ones who have a. They're a, kind of like the Borg, I suppose. Yeah. Except they're not for assimilation, but destroying unless they can be made use of. Yeah, yeah. Like they presumably also have other forms of utility for species. Right. Uh, yeah. Labor, I guess, right? They, they seem like the kind to have enslaved vassal species. Mm. Not that we've seen any at this point, but if they make those decisions, like which species gets to exist or yeah. not? And John seems kind of sympathetic, but when then he calls up the little cluster of uh, wormhole information that is floating around in his head and he reaches out to touch it and goes like, It's not mine to give away. Because what they said is like, if you're not clever enough to develop it on your own, you're not clever enough to handle it responsibly. responsibly. What a... I mean, it's a bit of a cop-out in a way. It kind of is, but, you know... I mean, look, I'm I'm not fully convinced by that, but it's a bit of a cop-out sort of hiding behind someone else's policy instead of making his own decision. I mean, yes, it could be done just to annoy Scorpius. Yeah. I mean, he did just... It's like literally bury uh, Aaron from his point of view, and it is Scorpius's fault. Yeah, and he'd like to spite him. In which case, once again, Crichton is uh, uh, sort of concealing his selfish motivation, wanting to spite motivate, yeah. spite Scorpius behind some sort of lofty ideal. Yeah, and he tries to walk off, but he keeps coming back to uh, Scorpius. It's like Scorpius has it made that whichever direction John walks off in, he comes back walk, walking back immediately. Uh, and John sort of collapses the information, like he makes the decision to to end this. The the the, the sort of sort of web of of mathematics collapses into his hand, and Scorpius is shocked and like we see him in in real life just sort of gasping and struggling for a life. Yes, making his old face. <laughs> You've always got to bring it back, don't you? <laughs> I'm so glad to have you with me because otherwise I just get so into the the sort of fandom and forget that we were doing a fun sort of. <laughs> and this is the final battle between Nurse Froy and and Braca, each of whom think that they have Scorpius's best interest at heart, at least his mandate to act uh, uh, appropriately. Where the nurse tries to bring him out of them, but Braca goes like, "Nope." <laughs> Once again, doing the Braca backhand, he loves doing that. Oh, slapping him across the face, yes. <laughs> We have to intervene. Retrieve! Oh, not yet. He's onto something. Data! Oh, Scorpy. You're getting kind of warm to the touch. You should take a break and calm down. The neural stress is killing him. Not yet. I'm removing the chip. I said keep away from him. My duty is to Scorpius. Eventually, uh, John throws Scorpius... Out of his, uh, out of the circle, uh, which brings Scorpius coming back to uh, consciousness in the real world. He uh, pops a rod. He pops a rod blasphemy. You see, like Bracca 
is clearly out of his depth here. Like, he looks at him wide-eyed. He reaches yeah. for the rod, burns his fingers on it. Screaming. Uh, he does not like dealing with Scorpius' no, he, medical you things. you can clearly tell that he's <laughs> not... He's super uncomfortable with yeah. it. Yeah. Grabs the... And okay, I, see, I think this is where we see the chip being fried. You can see this little flash of uh, light. That's and I it. think that's what where the chip gets fried. Okay, because we actually rewound this scene a few times to see what, what, what happens. Because first yeah. there's the cooling rod pops out of the side of Scorpius's head. Then there's a flash of, of sparks. Then Bracca pulls the rod out, which uh, uh, burns his little fingers. Scorpius yells something unintelligible. Mm-hmm. And we went back and we tried to turn on the subtitles, but it's no. not subtitled. Then Bracca grabs the chip, which we're thinking like the chip. And I'm like... That's not where the chip was before, but exactly, I think that's not yeah, the socket. But that little flash that we see is probably the chip burn, uh, burning out. And he holds it up in front of him while stressing out and then throws, throws it, it down. In disgust. <laughs> we have the little rod ejector device which pops out a fresh cooling rod for her. It's just like the, 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 the R2D2 school of dispensing swords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like the lightsaber pops bouncing. out. Yeah. Like, even when he was holding the spent cooling rod and he tossed it down, it still bounced back up. Yes. Really bing, bing, bing. A new one gets pushed in. Scorpius immediately goes back to his happy place and goes, John? And there, but there doesn't seem to be a John. There doesn't seem to be a res- residue here. Even though we later learned that the, the chip has been fried after it's come back from the lab and it's no longer useful. So Yep. And Neural John is gone. Yes. So at least we are back to two Johns rather than three Johns. Gosh. But all is not lost for Scorpius. Vulcan 9, Exponent 9. Devra 4, 3, 1. Equivalence Maslet, 9. Palanix Square. Equivalence Integral, 9. Vilka Hypercube. Brelmatic. 6. Lurg, 1. That's everything I recall. Because he paid attention during the collapse of the, uh, yes. the sort of map. And he, he's able uh, to... Like Hypercube, uh, Telta, Alpha, uh, oh, Telma. Yes. Yeah. Like a, basically, he recites as much as he can remember back to uh, uh, the scientist dude. Strapper. Kokura Strapper. Strapper. Yeah, Kokura Strapper, who's typing it all into his, like, Peacekeeper Texas Instruments ca- calculator, T90. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I tried to see what it was, but it seems like to be some sort of box with a curved lid. It looks it, like a Nintendo DS with a, with a decal like, on it. Yes, kind of, but, but more curvy. It's incomplete. But it should be enough to put us on the correct track. It certainly will, sir. I, I can already see solutions to, to several previously unknown variables. <laughs> who seems to be very much pleased with the information oh, yes. that he gets. He goes like, oh, no, this will be more than enough. Like, several variables have already been... Uh, revealed. Yes. <laughs> He's very he seems, excited. He is very happy with that. He sort of tucks it down. You see how his makeup doesn't extend to the palms of his hands? Oh, no, yes, you're right. You'll mm-hmm. see that fairly often with people who are touching things, that they don't bother yeah. doing makeup on the uh, on the inside of the, of the hands. And lastly, as uh, Scorpius is relaxing, hey, playing with that ball of his. Yes, I was wondering what that was. That uh, uh, we've seen him playing with it before. It seems to be a stress ball, and Crichton had one as well on oh, the command. Okay. We've seen him playing with one on uh, on Moya before. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, it's already been established. Like that's not the same ball. There's no. It's just a toy that they both yeah. seem to enjoy. 
And he has a little chat with Braca, who says yeah. he was worried that uh, he might have made the wrong decision, but no, your decision was... No, he actually calls him back and commends him for a job yeah. well done. Yeah, he which... does that thing where Braca asks... Will that be awesome? For the moment. And then he's, okay, well, uh, then I'll just leave. Oh, and lieutenants. Yeah, God, <laughs> I did just ask. Yes. <laughs> But uh, no, he gets he, he commends him much to Braca's uh, surprise and pleasure. God, he is just wagging there. Yes. He's like a little border collie with his ears <laughs> up. And, oh, I did a good job. Did a good job. Yeah, yeah, so much better than treats. I hope my conduct continues to find favour. Ask yes, sir. He'd sure love to. They are eye-frelling each other here in this scene, aren't they? <laughs> yes, a little bit. Okay, don't touch me then. Uh, and we have Scorpius wander up to his flower, which the, he's got there. Little, which you called the bird of... Paradise. Bird of paradise. Yeah. He seems to really enjoy it. Yes. He sort of smiles at it. Because... It gives it a little stroke and caress. And, yeah, that's the story so far, Scape. Wait, no? wait, do we do it? No, no, that's wait. not how we do it. No, no. you're right. Sorry. My, my bad. Wait, how do we do it? I don't know. Like, oh, yeah, we talk the about the witties and the woodies. Yeah, yeah. But number she three. She gives me a woody. Yeah. She gives you a <laughs> woody. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, um, tricky. Willies, Willies. First, let's. See. I mean, all of it. Well. It's, it's one of those ones again. We well, we've had a harder and harder time with the with the Willies and Woodies, and I think it's because we're kind of you. I mean, you especially, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of used to the sort of body wildness. Of, yes. Right, and the design choices, like you're, you're, you're kind of into it now. So it doesn't seem weird. Choices don't seem weird because Farscape's just weird. Is weird out there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the obvious choice would be to give the Willy to the rape scene, because that's like Willy's all the way. Well, yes. that, okay, that came out uh, really wrong. But <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, I get um, you. And I, but, but if 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 I had to give it to a, to an aspect of the show rather than of the the, the story, I actually I'd say it's like Young Scorpius. It's like oh, that's fair. I didn't didn't really resound with me like the high forehead and the, like the the almost uh, beetlejuice like makeup oh right and that was actually that strapper strapper is really beetlejuice he's got the sort of uh, uncle the pale... fester kind of look no i see what you mean okay yeah. sorry yeah. Uh, uh, not to interrupt woody goes yeah. to i think the scenes between john and scorpius where scorpius gets where scorpius gets a taste of his own medicine having to deal with the recalcitrant uh, mental <laughs> constructs <laughs> okay oh i wonder what scorpius nickname for john would have been in this oh. case he doesn't seem like the creative type no probably not no I'm having similar difficulties. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to have to, to to give mine to the the sexual assault scene. I mean, that oh, was yeah. uh, a, a pretty, like, that was just brutal. And also, like, the... I think it was, like, I mean, for all how the harshness and the intensity, it was very well handled, very well done. Yes. I mean, in, in so far as it's not an experience that I can relate to and clearly very, very traumatic. I mean, I think this whole episode needs... But it was meant It was meant to make everybody uncomfortable, oh, exactly, the, exactly. the viewers, yeah. But I mean, in sort of the general sense, like this episode deals with, I mean, for, for people who've had serious injuries or, or, or burns. I, mean, I've, I've, yeah. I, have, I have had a burn injury myself, Ooh. which I was very lucky to heal, to heal very well. But like that sort of body horror of the tissue liquefaction and young Scorpius and yeah. the, the tail of his origin i mean all of that was was really intense and 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 piled on top of each other and in fact i'm not sure whether it was more or less palatable because it was all jammed in together i mm. I, I sort of feel like it's easier to handle when everything is so gothic and you know when it 
a full yeah. horror episode. Rather than stringing it out and drip feeding it. Right, and yeah. Uh, and my Woody... Yeah, my my Woody goes to John's the scene coat. between John oh. and oh. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> obviously, but just the the sort of moonlight shadow set, which whose only feature is that it turns red when he's when he's hot, and for the yeah. rest, of, like that was really elegant. It was actually really fun to to to, to watch such an uncomplicated set. I mean, it's all about what the actors bring to it at that point. Oh wait, I've changed my mind. Sorry, I just oh. wound up on the gif of the wicked stepmother with the the two spikes out of her eyes, <laughs> just running around. That is so yeah. cool. <laughs> okay, eye spikes get the uh, get your woody. <laughs> and that's the story so far, Escape. Join us next week for another Tales of the Uncharted Territories and the week after that with episode 312, uh, Meltdown. I think oh. this one should have been called Meltdown rather than, you know. <laughs> In which Talon's passengers find their baser urges irresistible during a struggle to save the ship from a star's mesmeric pull. Oh. Ooh, does that sound good? That sounds exciting. <laughs> you can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find all our links at SoFarscape.com slash links if you want to share your synopses or recommend a fanfic or you want to support us, as uh, so many of our supporters have done. In fact, actually, let me pull the brakes here. Thanks to our supporters, we were able to afford the Creatures of Farscape book, which includes some pictures of young Scorpius, which... Oh. I know, I mean, I wanted to show you earlier, but you you weren't super turned on by the sort of design, so I'm, yeah. I think and, these images... And this doesn't seeing. even look like young Scorpius. This looks, I guess it looks like an older... I mean, did they get a different actor for the... A smaller actor, a child actor? Yes, very good. Evan, yeah. ooh, I forget his name. The, can, I f- can I flip? No, you cannot. Okay, thank you. Yeah, this uh, No, yeah. <laughs> good that you asked. Yeah. This is like when you hand your, your, your phone to a family member to right. show, show a photo. Do not swipe left or right because you don't know what you're going to see. But hey, another thing that our supporters helped us afford was the Farscape role-playing book, which yes. hasn't come up in a while. And I wonder, no. like, did you did you find anything useful in there for, for our sort of it quest for knowledge? It does have a few interesting things to say about Scorpius. Ooh. Like, the scariest person in the room never has to apologize for anything <laughs> okay <laughs> which yeah. is what uh, you know that's um there's not a little bit about his character which they say it's like uh, if there is any length scorpius won't go to or any ethical scruples that might prevent him from reaching his goals he has yet to show them <laughs> so i guess we get a lot of that in this episode I mean, Which, for the for the role playing book, that makes a special sense because it came out between seasons two and three, yeah. so it only covers the first two seasons to be honest like if I had to have given another Woody, then it would have gone to Scorpius' character development. You know, oh, I, yes. I, I really enjoyed that we get to learn a little bit more about Scorpius' backstory. That's awesome. Yes, we, we, we barely talked about that, just how how meaningful it is to see, like, to gain sympathy for the devil, to see how, how, he, how he came to be. Yeah. Thank you for that reading from the uh, Farscape role-playing book. Once again, thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon, including uh, recently we've got some new ones. There's Black Rain. Let me see Paul. Thank you so much for your contribution. David. Let me see Andy and uh, Life on Fire. Thank you so much. Like We'd really appreciate everybody. And once again, like the, the, the support levels start at, at $1. We put some, some, some fun gifs out. We really appreciate everyone. And hey, if things get tight, and you don't, you know, you don't have any, there's absolutely no judgment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, escape so good. good.